If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 in the precious Word of God. And I want to encourage you, bring your Bible. This is the one place that you can bring your Bible and I will not scream at you. Nobody will point fingers at you for having your Bible here. <laughs> they might point at you if you have your Bible somewhere else, but uh, that's okay. Carry your Bible. It's the Word of God. And I uh, want to uh, talk to you this morning from a very familiar passage of Scripture. <clears throat> and when you get there, if you would, drop down to verse number 22, and we're going to begin reading, as I said, a, a familiar story from God's Word. Notice what the Bible says, and it says, In straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, Wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the precious word that we have in our hands and in our hearts. God, I pray that today that you would, God, work as only you can. God, in our midst, that we would be encouraged to step out by faith. Certainly it's a challenge, but Lord, we know that with you all things are possible. And so God, I pray that if there's someone here within the sound of my voice, somebody listening, somebody in this room that has never trusted Christ, they've never taken that first small step of faith, that today would be that day that they would trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray for the one who is straight or the one who is uh, not walked by faith, but continues to walk by sight. God, I pray that you would encourage them and challenge them to recommit their life to walking by faith. God, I pray that you'll have your will in your way. God, that you'll use me and speak through me and that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, because you are my strength and my redeemer. We give you the praise in advance for what you'll do. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we do pray. And for his sake, all the people said... Amen. Amen. This morning I want to speak to you on this topic, as you can see, stepping out in faith. And last week we talked about living by faith. And uh, we were reminded from Scripture, quite honestly, that the Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. Amen. And as we looked back, we looked really at the reality of Abraham and Sarah's story. And we were actually able to see from Scripture how at times they succeeded but we also saw times when they failed to walk by faith. You know, they took matters into their own hands at times. And sometimes I'm afraid we do that. But uh, 
we looked at that as they were living by faith. And so this morning I want us to look at this passage and, and consider this topic of stepping out by faith. And obviously you look around and you see it's beginning to look a little bit like missions. And here's what I want you to know, whether we put up a banner or a flag or a poster, missions should always be in the forefront of our heart and mind. I sh we shouldn't have to put up five globes, which one they took out of my office. There it is. Hello, my friend. We shouldn't have to put up globes or flags or faces to remind us that the gospel must go into all the world. And I think we all would be, uh, would be willing to say that the job is not done. Because as we look here in Warrington and Gainesville and Bristow and Bealton and Haymarket and you name the town, the location around here, there are still people who need the Lord. And so uh, we have an opportunity really in a couple of weeks to exercise our faith and to step out by faith as we continue to support the Lord's work all around the world. And uh, here's what I know. When somebody stands up and says, hey, we need to step out by faith, that may sound easy, but it may be much more difficult to do. Has anybody ever had a problem when they know that they have needed to step out by faith and it's been a tough time doing it? See, sometimes, sometimes we get into uh, what we call comfort zones. Comfort zones keep us locked in and never stepping out by faith. And then here's another thing. Do you know that uh, they used to have this show on and it got a little bit over the top, so they pulled it off. It was called Fear Factor. Right? And, and they would always ask the question, is fear a factor for you? But if you're not stepping out by faith on a daily basis, I'll tell you, fear is a factor for you. It becomes a factor when we get locked in our fears and we don't step out by faith. Years ago, it was pastor and founder of the Midwestern Baptist College, Dr. Thomas Malone Sr. He said these words. He said, when God is going to do something wonderful, he starts with the difficult. But when God is going to do something miraculous, he starts with the impossible. For some, stepping out by faith this morning, as I'm standing here saying, hey, let's step out by faith for you just to hear me say that, it may seem impossible. And you don't have to raise your hand, but I know that there's probably some who say, man, that's too, that's impossible to do right now. You don't know my circumstance. You don't know the situation that my family and I are in. And so for me to step out by faith seems so far-fetched. Oh, listen, last week I shared with you words of F.B. Meyer. And F.B. Meyer was the one who said, you never really trust God until you trust him to do the impossible. And that's exactly what we find in our text. Look with me, and I pray that the Lord will bless our time in his word and that we'll be encouraged and challenged, and if we need to be, that we would be changed so that we can actually step out by faith in the days to come. But notice as we begin our, our, our text here, look with me, and I'm going to ram right through it here. Look at verse 22. Immediately we see that it's Jesus that compels his disciples to get into a ship and to go to the other side. If you remember what's going on, Jesus has found out that his cousin is dead. Uh, John the Baptist has, has, has died, and so Jesus hears in Matthew's gospel that his cousin is dead, and then literally he's trying to get away, but people are following him, and so we have the story of the feeding of the 5,000 plus women and children. But after that whole ordeal, 
he realizes that people are starting to catch on to who he is. And so John's gospel tells us that he eludes them, he gets away. But in Matthew's gospel, it tells us here in verse 22 that he compels his disciples to get into a ship and to go the other side and that he's actually going to send the multitudes away. In verse 24 tells us, if you keep on looking, that the disciples, they're caught in a storm. And verse 25 is where things begin to take off because it's in the fourth watch of the night. The fourth watch, by, by the way, folks, some would say there's only three watches, some would say four. The fourth watch was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. And so it's in the wee hours of the morning. Think about what's going on. The disciples are caught in a storm. The Bible says that their ship was being slammed around because the waves were contrary. The wind and the waves were contrary to them. And so in verse 25 it says in the fourth night of the watch that Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Now folks, I don't know about you, but if we're out in the middle of, I don't care if it's a pond, and at between 3 a.m., and 6 a.m., if we're out there fishing, which, by the way, you're not going to catch me out on a pond at 3 a.m. fishing, right? But if we were, let's play the game, if we were, and you look across the pond and you see somebody come walking to you, do you think you're going to be a little concerned about that? Yeah, you're going to, yeah, Donna, you're going to rub your eyes. You're going to say, man, I need sleep. I'm starting to see something. But that's what we find here in Scripture. What's, what's interesting to me is I was telling somebody in Mark chapter 6 and verse 48. Remember, Jesus has gone into a mountain to pray. But in Mark chapter 6 verse 48, it says that Jesus actually saw them toiling in rowing. Hold on a second. Jesus is in the mountains praying. The disciples are out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in the midst of a storm. I'm guessing visibility is not great. Yet the Bible says Jesus sees his disciples, his close friends, toiling, rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. Folks, can, before we even get into the message, can I give you a little mini message? I don't care what the visibility is. I don't care what storm we may be going through. Jesus, if he could see his disciples out in the midst of the Sea of Galilee, I want to encourage you today, he sees you. He sees you in the midst of your storm. He sees you fighting the good fight of faith. He sees you struggling with your health. He sees you when you're struggling financially. He sees you. I might get excited today. In verse 26, it says that when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. I'd be troubled too. Saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Folks, they're troubled because this is not normal. In verse 27, Jesus just says, hey. Hey guys, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. I don't care what somebody says at 3 or 4 in the morning. I'm going to still be a little bit troubled. And then, in verse number 28, here's where things start to get going. Because in verse 28, Peter answers him and he says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come unto thee under the water. Now let's just stop for a second. I don't know about you and I don't know about your circumstances, but if I'm in the midst of a troubled sea, I'm in the midst of a storm, the boat, have you all ever seen what happens to a boat in the midst of a real storm? I mean, they have like uh, master and commander. I, I haven't even seen that movie, but I know the ship's tossing left and right and there's another movie where ships I don't even know the name of that thing 
But you know what I'm talking about. The boat's rocking, being crashed with waves. And Peter says, hey, if it's you, Lord, bid me come out there with you. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm saying, hey, Lord, can you take this storm away? Hey, Lord, here's another one. Why did you do this to me? Don't I worship you? Don't I serve you? Don't I give to you? Don't I do this? Don't I do that? We start rattling off a list of our goodness and our greatness as if we're something good or great. What about this? Lord, how about you come down here and row this boat for us? I mean, you're in control, right? How about you come off the water, quit playing out there in water world, and come on in here and do some rowing. Help us out. Lord, it would be real nice if you could just allow this storm to pass on by. Isn't that what we do? We say, Lord, please remove this storm. Please take it away out of my life. But here's the thing. What if Jesus sent the storm? Now watch. What if he sent the storm? What if he allowed the storm so that you and I would get up and get out of the boat? Nobody likes to think about that. See, because in the midst of the storm, it can be terrifying. It can be a terrifying place. And that's what we find here in Scripture. Some people actually criticize Peter for even asking the question in verse 28 as if he was somehow trying to show off, if he was trying to be the center of attention. But the older I get, the more I have a different view and a different perspective of this. Oh, Peter was a lot, and yes, he stuck his foot in his mouth many times. But I just believe that Peter, who was afraid with all the other disciples, if that's you, Lord, I'd rather be with you where I'm safe than I would be in this ship. Because where I'm at is in the midst of the storm. But if it's you and you're saying, be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid, I'd rather be with you than I would be over here in the boat. Because these guys are driving me crazy. See, I believe that, honestly, people who step out by faith do so simply because they want to be close to God. We step out by faith when we want to get close to God. The thought of a spirit walking to them on the water was something that would have troubled them, there's no doubt, because you see, it was a common belief of the ancients that spirits of people after they died would regularly and frequently appear to those who were living. And so... Can you imagine? Maybe they thought the multitudes had gotten a hold of Jesus. They got in a boat. Jesus sent them out on the Sea of Galilee. And so maybe in their mind they're thinking, oh no, Jesus has perished. And here comes his spirit on the water to talk to us. We don't know what's running through their mind. But we only know that scripture says that they were troubled. Listen, people who step out in faith, I say they do so because they want to get close to God. You know Hebrews 11 says... So then faith, right? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith, here's the crazy thing. It actually believes what it cannot see. Have you ever believed something you cannot see? No? Oh, then we need to start exercising some faith because faith believes what it cannot see. In fact, one pastor has put it this way. Faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. Oh, listen, Peter had never walked on water. But he believed that with Jesus he could do it. Anybody here ever walk on water, so to speak? Hmm? You say, I've walked on water. 
The only way you'll ever walk on water is if you get out of the boat and understand that the only way we walk on water is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, listen, Hebrews 11:6 says that without faith it's impossible to please him because he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There's one thing I do know, and that's if we never step out by faith, if we never get out of the boat, we will never, so to speak, walk on water. James 4 and verse number 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. I believe that Jesus, if we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then honestly, everyone in this room or anyone that's listening to the sound of my voice should want to get closer to him. But here's, like I said, the storm is no joke. The storm that they're in is no joke. And verse 24 says that the boat is being pummeled around due to the winds and the waves. And here's what I would say sometimes, and I've had storms in my life. Doris, you've had some storms in your life. Do you know sometimes the storms, right, they're sent or allowed because the Lord actually wants to, here's a word we don't like much, test us. He wants to test us. He wants to see, is Greg going to be faithful to me? In the midst of that physical storm? Is he going to stand up, stand up for Jesus like he does on Sunday when he's singing the song? Is he going to sing how great thou art when he loses a loved one? Is he going to sing amazing grace that saved a wretch like me when he loses everything he owns? Is he going to stand up for me? Well, let's just see. Insert test. See, sometimes God wants to know whether we're going to walk by faith or whether we're going to walk by sight, whether we're going to try and fix things on our own or whether we're going to rely on Him to fix what only He can fix. And sadly, many times, we allow the storms of life to actually do the opposite of what God intends for them. We allow storms to keep us locked up in fear instead of exercising the trust that we need in Jesus Christ, our Savior. A quick reminder for us, uh, after the whole feeding of the 5,000, who tells the disciples to get in the ship? Who? Jesus. Who goes up into the mountain to pray? Who controls the winds and the waves? And so guess who allowed or sent the storm? Jesus does it. Folks, he knows what he's doing. He's not confused by the storm whatsoever. In fact, that's why Mark 6 is so amazing to me is that he actually sees whether because he's all God or whether he's the bionic man. He sees his disciples toiling. The word toiling means that they were in distress as they're rushing and, and moving about in this situation. You see, the Lord sees this as an opportunity to test and to grow the faith of his disciples. And obviously we read in the story here, look, the Bible says that Peter's the only disciple to get out of the boat. Were the others comfortable? I don't think so. They weren't comfortable because the Bible says they were troubled. They were fearful. They were scurrying about trying to save their lives. And what's crazy to me is that Peter, on the other hand, these guys do nothing, but Peter, on the other hand, he wants to get close to Jesus. And so in that moment, he doesn't let the noise of the storm, he doesn't let the noise of anything else control him. He just simply trusts in the Lord. And I put down here in my notes that trust is what will fuel 
your faith. Now you say, oh, is that all I get? Uh, Trust is what fuels my faith in my wife. Oh, now you're bringing it down to where the rubber meets the road. See, I base my faith and grow my faith on past provisions. I can trust her until I can't trust her. Uh, Anybody here have cause not to trust Jesus? He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible tells me, right? He is the author and the finisher of my faith. Why would I not trust him? And this is what we find here. If you're a note taker, first thing I see is that Peter trusts Jesus. In verse 29, Jesus says, come. And the Bible says Peter was come down out of the ship. He walked on water to go to Jesus. Initially, the reason for Peter's success is, I believe, because he trusted the word of God. Jesus says, hey, Peter says, hey, if it's you, Lord, bid me come. And you know what Jesus' answer is? It's not, it's not a long message. He just says, come. He says, you want to come out to me? You come. And you know that's exactly what he's doing today. He's got his arms open wide, and he says, hey, if you're thirsty, come on. If you're hungry, come on. I'm here standing with my arms open wide, and I don't know what storm you may be going through me, but he does. And he says, come unto me. Peter trusted Jesus. The storm was still raging, but his faith moved him into action. When God speaks, he can be trusted. In fact, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 30, verse 5, that God's word is pure. Every word of God is pure. 1 Peter 1, 25 reminds us that the word of the Lord endures forever. In Psalm 19, listen to what the Bible says about God's word. In verse number 7 and following, the Bible says the law, and this speaks of the word of God, the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul, the testimony, speaking again of the word of God, of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes, again, speaking of the word of God, of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Notice verse number 10 and 11. More to be desired are they... Than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. And verse number 11 tops it all off, and it says this, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Oh, listen, we can trust the word of God. Like Peter of old, we can stand on those precious promises from God. And when we trust God and his word, there's no doubt In my military mind, there's no doubt that his word will become a lamp under our feet and a light under our path. Well, I don't read the word of God much. Then I'm going to tell you this in as loving a way as I can. You'll never step out by faith. If you don't believe, read, and trust the word of God, then you'll never step out by faith. You will continually stay where it's comfortable. You'll continually stay where you're locked in fear because God says you can do it, then you can do it, right? We have to trust him at his word. And when we decide to trust Jesus in his word, I put down in my notes that the impossible suddenly becomes possible. But oh, like Peter, many times we take our eyes off of Jesus. And that's exactly what Peter did. You see, he trusted Jesus, but then something took place in verse number 30 of our text He takes his eyes off of Jesus. The Bible says when he saw the wind boisterous. It wasn't as if he saw the wind. He saw what was taking place because 
of the wind. And it says he was afraid and beginning to sink. You know, Peter was attached to Jesus, but like us, he was also, uh, he was also susceptible, if you please, to failing and to falling in his life. Everything was fine until he took his eyes off the Lord. And I think about this storm, and it's amazing to me, but I think about Peter. He's a skilled fisherman. He's a skilled boatman. He's probably, and I'm going to assume that he's a skilled swimmer. And so he's in the midst of the storm, but he's concerning himself with the wind and the waves instead of concerning himself with the wind and the wave maker. He'd seen all kind of miracles. They, Jesus just took fish and bread. They literally, just before they got in the boat, they just saw Jesus take fish and bread, pray over them, and disperse it. And as they gave it out, it just keeps multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. He just saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And yet, he sees what's taking place, the effects of the wind, so to speak. And he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And when he takes his eyes off of Jesus... The point is that he begins to sink. And there's no doubt that there have been times in my life and in your life when we have become distracted from our pursuit of God. Would somebody here say, you know what, there have been times I've been distracted in my pursuit of God, if you're honest. You see, as long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he had faith. He not only had faith, he had courage. I mean, he had hope, but the moment he gets distracted, he begins to drown in fear. And like Peter, maybe there have been times that it's almost felt as though we're walking on water, and then all of a sudden some fear, some circumstance, some project, some person, some personal sin slips into our life and causes us to feel like we're sinking in quicksand. Oh, that's why it's so incredibly important that we keep our eyes on Jesus. In fact, at the end of last week's message, you may have forgotten, but I shared with you the key of living by faith. And the key of living by faith is found in Hebrews 12, 2, where it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, just stop right there. There's the key to stepping out by faith. There's the key to living by faith, looking unto Jesus. If we're looking anywhere else, we're going to be in trouble. We must keep our eyes fixed on him. I think about it in scripture. When Adam and Eve took their eyes off of God and his provision, they sinned. When Cain took his eyes off of God and doing right, we know he killed his brother Abel. When Lot's wife took her eyes off of what the Lord was doing and looked back at Sodom, she turned to a pillar of salt. When the Israelites took their eyes off of the Lord, they mumbled and grumbled and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. When Samson, think about Samson, when he took his eyes off the Lord, he was tricked by Delilah and captured by the Philistines. When Saul took his eyes off the Lord and disobeyed, he was rejected as king. And when the disciples took their eyes off of the Lord and onto their own circumstances, they denied and abandoned Jesus. Oh, there's plenty of proof and that's just a short list of what takes place when we take our eyes off of Jesus. But there's good news in Scripture 
Because if we look in contrast, when people kept their focus on God, notice what happened. Noah and his family were saved. Abel went to live with God forever. Abraham became the father of many nations. Joseph was used by God to save his family in two nations. Moses was employed by God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And although he was now physically blind, Samson regained his strength and died, destroying the wicked Philistines. The disciples ended up taking the gospel into all the known world at that time as they kept their eyes on Jesus. Stephen, as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he saw the glory of the Lord. And Paul, the one who went from murderer to missionary, the guy who stands there consenting unto the death of Stephen who saw the glory of the Lord, God changes his life and instead of becoming a murderer, he then becomes a missionary and he surrenders his life to share the gospel into the regions beyond. Oh yes, when we keep focusing on Jesus and when we keep stepping out by faith, great and mighty things which we know nothing about begin to take place. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. You know that song? Oh, it's true. Peter trusted Jesus. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, which is what caused him to beginning to sink. But here, this is the greatest example of the whole story. Not, not that he trusts Jesus and not that he took his eyes off of Jesus, but at the end of it all, Peter cries out to Jesus. And you say, what's so big about that? Well, look at verse 30. It says, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. Think about it, knowing what he knew, experiencing what he had experienced, as he begins to sink, Peter has enough sense, enough faith to call upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says he cried out saying, Lord, save me. I said to someone earlier this morning, that's a fairly short prayer, but it's a real powerful prayer. There wasn't a lot of, oh Lord, we need you to come down and do these things. Lord, save me. And maybe you're here today and you're sinking. You're sinking and you're trying to fool everybody. You're trying to play the game. You're trying to play church. You're trying to do everything on your own and you don't know where to turn. Can I admonish you from the story that we have in Scripture like Peter of old? Just simply call out upon the Lord and say, Lord, save me. I've been trying to do it on my own, but I can't do it. Which, by the way, he already knows. Lord, save me. In verse 31, notice what the scripture says. It says, and immediately. It wasn't like Jesus said, well, hold on, let me think about it. And tapped his foot. It says, immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, notice this. He says, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Listen, when Peter's faith began to waver, he didn't allow himself to drown in his own mess. And that's what we do many times. I see it all across the board. We have a whole culture today that says, I can do Christianity on my own. You're wrong. God never called you to be a Lone Ranger Christian. That's why he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but even so much more as you see the day approaching. Your worship as a body of believers isn't about me. It isn't about you, quite honestly. It's about the person sitting next to you. We gain strength. I'll be honest with you. Augustine, when I see you, I gain strength. When I see my strong brother 
in the Lord's house, I get strength. Brian, Sean, when I see you, I get strength. Ron, I'm looking back there at my brother Ron, who I asked to do a lot of things. Teach when he didn't want to teach. I said, you can do it. Right? You remember that? But when I see you, I gain strength. When I look at you guys, I get excited. I get excited that there's somebody else in the fight. There's somebody else walking the walk of faith with me. Brother, when I see you fight in the fight of faith with your health, I gain strength. Shauna, I don't even have to look over here. I know Shauna's over here because she's always here. When I see Shauna, I get strong. Randy, when I see you, I get strong. I get excited. I get goosebumps because I realize that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, listen, Peter cries out to Jesus in the midst of the storm that was still raging. And even though Jesus scolds him for having little faith, you know what? I'd rather have little faith than no faith. Somebody please say amen. Because I don't see a lot of people exercising great faith these days. So I'd be excited just to see somebody exercise a little faith. And Jesus says, oh, thou of little faith. Guess what? He's the only one in the boat who had faith. He's the only one that stepped out. Jesus doesn't say, oh, you guys over in the boat, you had a lot of faith. Peter, you had little faith. No, he just simply says, uh, here, let me help you up. And he says, oh, ye of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? You know it's I. You know that I can do all things. Oh, listen, folks, we have to trust the Lord. Do we step out and exercise our faith day by day? Do we have enough faith to pray when things don't look so good? Do we have confidence that our Lord Jesus Christ will be there with us even in the midst of the storm? Remember, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, it believes again what it cannot see. Through the years, my wife and I have seen the Lord work incredibly, over and over. And I'll be honest with you, it doesn't make sense that he would even want to do anything for me. But he has, and he does. And here's the reality. My wife and I have no reason to doubt that he'll continue to do that. Does that mean that we will always be on cloud nine? I got news for you folks. We're not always on cloud nine now. What? You're the pastor. You're supposed to be up there. No, I'm, I'm still got blood flowing through my veins. I'm still covered with the same flesh. I still have the same physical ailments that you have. And life is like this. And if life is like this, you got a problem. If your life is running like this, you better check your pulse. Right? But I can tell you that we've seen the Lord do some amazing things in our life when we don't even deserve it. Because our Lord is able He's able, he's able to make a way when there is no way. And he is always, and Travis was, we were talking about this as we were painting letters for missions. Thank you, Lynn, for cutting out our letters. We're painting letters for missions. I hope they add to your enjoyment. And I was telling Travis what I was going to preach, and he reminded me that in John's version of the gospel, it's the same truth in Christ and I's life. Every time we have stepped out by faith, the Lord has met us, and he has not only met us, he has carried us to exactly where we want to be. And if you look at the end of the story, look at our passage here in verse 32 and 33. Here it is. We wrap it up. It says, and when they, Jesus and Peter, were coming to the ship, the wind ceased, then they that were in the ship 
came and worshipped him. They weren't worshipping Peter. They're worshipping Jesus, saying of a truth, thou art the Son of God. However, when we get over to John's gospel, we're given a little bit more of the story because in John 6, 21, it says, then they willingly received him into the ship and immediately the ship was at land whither they went. You see that? The storm's over. There's no more wind. There's no more wave. Jesus gets in the boat with Peter. Boom! We're at the shore. How did that happen? They must have started rowing really fast. <laughs> See, that's what, that's what the maker of the wind and the waves can do in our life. He makes a way when there is no way. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Folks, when we trust Jesus enough to step out in faith, when we trust Jesus enough to keep our eyes on him, and when we trust Jesus enough to cry out to him, I can tell you he will not only meet us, but he will take us where we, not where we want to be, but where we need to be. You see, when we step out in faith, our Lord allows us to see things from his perspective. I'm working on a message for next week entitled, Can You See What Jesus Sees? You see, he allows us to see things from his, his perspective. He gives us confidence. Oh, you may never walk on, 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 on water, so to speak. Oh, but he gives us the confidence to walk by faith. Our Lord helps us to remain focused. Our Lord opens up new windows and doors of opportunity when we step out by faith. And ultimately, our Lord uses these baby steps to make us stronger. To make us stronger. Do you know when our little boys were born? Our little boys, they just didn't start walking. Big strides, right? You know what we had to do? You know what, moms and dads, you know what you do? Hold on a second, watch. You hold their hands. Oh, look at him, look at him. Get a picture, get a picture. We didn't have video back then. And you had to get the pictures developed. You didn't have iPhones and like, let's take a picture and post it for the world to see. Right, you had to take a picture, and then when you used all the other, the other 24 or 30 pictures, then you took it to the drugstore or Walmart, right, and got it developed, right? This is, this is, watch, this is what we did. Come on, you can do it, you can do it. You know what our Lord is doing right now? He says, come on, Yvonne, you can do it. You can do it, I'm here. I'm out, on the, I'm, out on, I'm out in the midst of the storm before you even come out there. It is I, be of good cheer. Well, if it's you, Lord, bid me come. He says, come on. He says, come on. That's exactly what he's wanting to do in our lives. But we have to trust him. We have to keep our eyes on him. And we have to know enough and to have learned enough that when we fall, when we feel like we're sinking in quicksand, that we have the wherewithal not to trust our own abilities, but to cry out to God and say, Lord, save me. Save me from myself. And when we do that, we'll be pleasing the Lord, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so I pray that you'll be in prayer 
about how you can step out by faith in the coming days for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to have been in your house today. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts over the next couple of weeks as we begin to ask ourselves the question whether we can step out in faith once again. God, as we consider our role in having a part in your ministry, not only here at Battlefield, but all around the world, it's a scary thing. Uncertain times cause us to get our eyes off of you and to place them on things that really you've not called us to deal with. And so, Lord, I pray that you will make a way, even though we sometimes feel like there is no way in our life. God, I pray that you will allow us to see things from your perspective. God, that you'll give us confidence to remain focused and that, God, we'll be excited about the new opportunities you bring in our wet path and that, God, through it all, we'll be stronger. And as we exercise our faith, God, I pray that you'll be glorified. God, we do love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this reminder that we, too, can step out in faith. We give you the praise for what you'll do during this time of invitation as we sing our praises to you, as we lift up our petitions, our prayer requests to you, and our and God, help us to do it with thanksgiving. God, I pray that you'll be glorified. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.